Welcome back to the Niners Wire podcast. My name is Chris Biederman. As always, I'm joined with our producer and contributor, Rob Lauder. And with us again is Kyle Madsen, who uh, has not been writing for Niners Wire as much as he used to because uh, Kyle took a new position on our growing NFL Wire site network. So, Kyle, why don't you, uh, why don't you give all your adoring fans an update on, on where you've been these last few weeks? Well, if my fans were that adoring, they would know. Uh, what I've been up to. So. <laughs> no, uh, no. I thanks for for having me on, fellas. Um, I am the managing editor at the Titans Wire now, so I am the Chris of Titans Wire, um, and I'm writing Titans and following them, watching a lot of Tennessee Titans football, and uh, falling more and more in love with Marcus Mariota every day. Aww. That's exciting. That's exciting. So. Um, with that, we, we're back. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of NFL draft preview stuff. Just uh, just kind of go back and forth about you know some reports that are coming out and, and, and some of the news that's been breaking and, and really sort of the, the ambiguity surrounding the 49ers in this pick at number two. And, and John Lynch spoke to the media yesterday. He invited everyone into the, uh, the team's draft room. I could not make it, um, but I do have the transcript and, and the audio from that. And one thing that that really stood out to me, and and let me know how you guys feel about this, but it but it seems like, I mean, Lynch is being super ambiguous, super secretive, not ruling anything out, saying he likes just about every player, um, and saying they need to address positions across the board, and so it's really just, it, it leaves us wondering, like, what's going to happen in the draft? Which direction is John Lynch going to go? How much influence is Kyle Shanahan going to have on all these picks? Because we really have no idea because these guys have no track record in the draft. So to me, they could go any direction uh, at two or trade back. I think, you know, one of the biggest questions is going to be if they can get uh, a reasonable haul in a trade if they do end up moving back or is the fact that there's no consensus number two prospect going to be something that leads to them getting a less valuable trade package from another team. So it's really interesting. We didn't know just about nothing for sure other than every, every scenario is on the table. And, uh, and I still think, you know, I still think Malik Cooker is probably the best pick for the 49ers system in terms of establishing kind of that bedrock uh, safety at the back end of their new defense. Um, I understand the injury concerns with him, given that he hasn't been able to test this offseason after having hip surgery and, and core surgery to repair sports hernia. So, you know, I think if they hookers a picket two or would be the best picket two, in my opinion. And I also think that if they trade back a guy who I really started to like a little bit more and more is, is Hassan Reddick from temple, the linebacker pass rusher. So, um, you know, he might be a guy who's who's there in the in the eight to twelve range or so, uh, and I think would make a ton of sense as as a Sam linebacker in this new defense. So, with that, what what are you guys most looking forward to heading into the draft now that it's just about exactly forty eight hours away? Oh man, that's a tough question. It's hard to say you're looking forward to it. I mean, I feel like in the years past, we at least had a pretty good bead on who the 49ers would take and who they were looking at. And like you said, this year, it could be anybody. I mean, if you look through the, the top the top prospects, and if you assume Miles Garrett is going to Cleveland, uh, then there's like eight to ten guys that all fall 
as in being worthy of the number two pick, and they'd all make sense. You have Jamal Adams, the safety from LSU, Marshawn Lattimore, quarterback from Ohio State, Leonard Fournette, Solomon Thomas, uh, Malik Hooker. Um, I'm a big fan of Christian McCaffrey. I could even see him being considered it too. Ruben Foster is a little bit of a question mark now that he's had his issues. So it's just like how often does that happen where, you know, it's it's a really crummy year to have the number two pick with so many options that could go there. But with as far as the rumors goes, I think that's just Lynch trying to make it seem like he has has an interest in every player so that any team that might, you know, be considering trading up is, is that much more motivated too. So he's just – I feel like he's doing anything and everything to uh, to create some value for that number two pick because, you know, I think at this point the last thing the team wants to do, to do is be stuck there picking at number two uh, for a player that they're not totally in love with or they don't think he matches that value. So that's that's what I think everything is at this point. I mean, they always say to don't, don't pretty much everything's a lie when you're when you're this close to the draft, but it seems like everything right now is them hoping that somebody calls them with with a trade on on draft day. Kyle, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm in agreement with Rob on pretty much everything he said, except for I think that makes it more exciting. And I think that's something that I'm personally looking forward to, to see kind of what they do do uh, with that number two pick. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not that there aren't good players to take there. There are plenty of guys that if they take them at number two, you're going, oh, that makes the team better because there are so many holes on the roster. But... If they don't, if they're not, I don't think it's the, there's an end of the world scenario for them, really, uh, at, that, at that second pick, whether they trade back or whether they take Malik Hooker or Solomon Thomas or Mitch Trubisky. I just don't think that there's anyone they're going to take that you look at it and say that made them worse. And that, yeah. for me, is, is exciting. Yeah, and, and one of the things that has been talked about a lot over these last few days, and there have been reports you know, surfacing all over the internet saying the 49ers are strongly considering a, a quarterback. And, you know, my, my first thought when, when I see things like that, like the 49ers are strongly considering every prospect and, you know, that's going to go on the top 10 and, and throughout the first round, because there's a scenario for every, you know, that they could get to every spot theoretically in a trade. Right. So they're, the fact that they're, they'd be strongly considering someone isn't really news and obviously it's a big deal because, you know, it's it's a quarterback position and a lot of people think that, you know, these quarterbacks aren't worth going as high as the, the number two overall pick. But the fact that they're strongly considering a quarterback is is news based on what's coming out of Cleveland these last couple of days with the fact that it sounds like the front office and the football department are are at odds about what to do with the first pick with the football people wanting to take Miles Garrett and the front office and the executives wanting to find a franchise quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, potentially. Um, And that might mean a trade with the 49ers moving either back from one, although I don't think that's happening, or moving up from their second first-round pick at number 12, potentially to get one and two, giving giving them the chance to take both Miles Garrett and Mitchell Trubisky. And I think... You know that would make a lot of sense for the 49ers if they can get a, a future first round pick out of that. If they got, you know, if they got 33rd overall this year, a first rounder next year, um, and you know maybe some some additional mid round compensation, I think that would make a ton of sense. And particularly like 
you know, if, if Hassan Reddick is on the board still at 12, then that would make a ton of sense. They could get Kyle Ramchick, the, the tackle from Wisconsin. Maybe he could be Joe Staley's long-term replacement, and you can bring him in uh, as a rookie to start at left guard in Zane Beetle's spot. So that could be interesting. I, there are a lot of different directions they could go at 12, and I think that would be the smartest thing for them to do if they could get an additional first-round pick, depending on how... Uh, desperate Cleveland is to to get to number two to potentially jump ahead of, you know the the Bears and the Jets and the Jaguars who who might be looking at quarterbacks in the top five or the top early in the top ten. Well, yeah, because it's funny you say that because when you look at the the draft board and some of the mock drafts and how they kind of fall out, there's just as many players at twelve that could fit and have an impact for the 49ers in the first round than there are at two. I mean, obviously you're going to deal with a little bit of drop off, but like you're saying. Uh, you, you know, you, just to name some names, you have Hassan Reddick, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Barnett, Charles Harris, Mike Williams, Corey Davis. You know, all these all these prospects that could even be considered it too. So to, to be able to jump back that far and still be able to have someone that that really really fits your scheme and your team, um, it would be ideal for them. That's but that you know, in in the same token, that's the same reason why I think they're going to have a lot of trouble trading back is because of kind of that. Really high peak in Miles Garrett, and then everything else kind of flatlines after that. So it'll it'll be interesting. I I would myself would be surprised if they were able to trade back, just because it seems like such a flat draft. But that to me, uh, even if they have to take less than what's normally offered in a trade all the way up uh, to number two, if they can if they can pull that off, then I think that's a big success for Lynch in his first get at it. I have a question for you guys, okay. if if I may be so bold. Please. Let's say the Browns take Mitch Trubisky at number one, and then somebody calls up the 49ers and offers them the kitchen sink for the second pick. I make up a scenario. Is there a draft? Is there a hall of picks that you would trade for the opportunity to take Miles Garrett? Oh, yeah. Me, yes, yeah, for absolutely. sure. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as sold on Garrett as as a lot of people are, um, and that's not to say that I don't think he's got the physical talent and and has the potential to be, you know, potentially a generational pass rusher. But I just don't. I, I think to consider it consider it a done deal, and the fact that he's going to be, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the league from from his first week on the field. Like I think that's a stretch, and I also think there's a significant amount of risk in ha- in believing in a player so highly that right. wasn't particularly that productive last year. And you can look at someone like Jadavian Clowney, who had injury issues, and Miles Garrett had a few injury issues last year. But like everyone thought the same thing about Jadavian Clowney when he came into the league, and yeah, he's turning into a really good player, but it took him a couple years, and maybe the fact that it took him a couple of years might have diminished his value. Maybe if the Texans knew that it was going to take three or four years for him to really turn into the type of player that they thought he would, then maybe they wouldn't have taken him first overall. Maybe they would have taken somebody else. So I think if the 49ers, to answer your question, Kyle, like if there's a team that's willing to throw in like multiple first-round picks um, you know, a second round pick, a third round pick, like a package like that, like what the what the Eagles sent the Titans last year to get that number two pick to to go up for um for the quarterback. Like, I think if the Niners can get that type that type of offer for Miles Garrett, they should absolutely absolutely do it. 
because they're going to need a quarterback next year, and next year's draft is going to be loaded at that position in the first round. And there are a lot of good pass rushers in later in the first round in this draft that you could get. Um, they're going to be good guys in the second and third round that you could get. So if Garrett falls, and, and I wrote about it a little bit, but if Garrett falls a second and the team wants to trade you know, this year's first, next year's first, a 2020 first and uh, a couple seconds or whatever, um, like the Eagles did last year, I think the 49ers should absolutely do that. Um, as good as I think Garrett could be, I'm not entirely sold on his mental makeup and all that. So, so yeah, I would, I would definitely be open to trading him. I do the, I, I look at the way I look at it is if they could get the, anywhere near the type of trades you're talking about from last year, the Rams gave the Titans the number they're number 15 two second rounders a third round pick the first and third from the next draft so that's a huge haul Jeez. And, and if you when i think about when i look at it like that i see you know let's just say i'm standing on a football field and miles garrett's on my left and the what is it seven or eight impact players are standing on my right and with the way the 49ers uh, you know their roster is right now you have to think that even with if miles garrett does pan out the the seven or eight impact players standing on your right are going to have a much more of an effect on your team and the success it has than the, than the one player you'd have at miles garrett yeah the Dynamite. Eagles sent for for carson wentz and to take him number two they sent the number eight pick uh in last year's draft a third round pick a fourth round pick and then in 2017, um, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Or <laughs> Cleveland got a fourth-round pick back. Um, so, I mean, you can just get, like, if they're, they're – that scenario is much more likely in a trade for the 49ers if Garrett's available just because he is the best prospect in the draft. Um, but I don't think – and I think that's kind of the key point is the fact that they're not going to get that type of haul if Garrett's off the board at one. Do you, do you think Carolina would be willing to move up to number two to, to get to Leonard Fournette and they pick eighth? So the 49ers could potentially move back six spots and maybe get, you know, a couple second round picks or something. I, th- I think if they made it, if they made it relatively harmless and weren't trying to fleece Carolina, I think they could kind of tempt them into doing it. But that, when you get into that pick and the fact that there'd be a decent chance that Fournette could fall to eight on his own. Yeah, you know, so you kind of have to coax them into it, and that's when you start getting into the realm of people being upset that you didn't take enough trade compensation. Because I could see them saying, "Hey, we'll let you pop up to two and take Fournette, and just give us your second rounder this year." So the Forty ers would have two second rounders, and they maybe a future pick too. And that may not seem like a lot to some people, but if the Forty ers are looking at let's say three, four, or five prospects that they're all perfectly fine with, uh, then reeling in those those extra picks just to fall back and take the guy you would have taken it to anyways, you know, it, it's no harm, no foul for me. Kyle, what do you think? Um Yeah, I don't know I don't know what would I don't know why Carolina would move up to do that. Because like Rob said, there's a chance Fournette falls to eight anyways. <clears throat> And trading up to take a running back, I mean, especially in in the NFL today and with their offensive line issues, I don't know if they would be willing to agree to a trade that would be worth it for the 49ers to move back. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And it kind of comes down to, like, the the argument of, of need versus best player available versus, you know, finding guys that fit your scheme. Um, you know, I asked Kyle Shanahan earlier this month, 
or might have been last month. No, it was this month. About um, about you know finding players that fit the scheme, and and obviously that's what coaches always say. Um, but then when it comes to the draft, they say they're they're taking the best players on their boards. And and Shanahan kind of said the same thing, like finding finding players that fit your scheme is a little bit overrated. And I guess I see that to a point, but at the same time, when when you're talking about the draft, like, are you going to draft Leonard Fournette, who isn't super scheme versatile in the sense that, like, you can't run with him in shotgun. He's a little bit questionable for his size as a pass protector, even though he he should be really good considering his physical skill set and picking up blitzes and things like that. But... You know, he has to be the single back deep. So the 49ers would need to be a ball control offense. Um, they would need to be under center a lot. And I guess he could fit their, their outside zone play action scheme pretty well. But you have to consider the type of offense you want to run. And maybe if you have Fournette, you know, that, I mean, it, it would it would shape, the, shape the, the face of the football team just overall, just given the fact that you could be you could help your defense out a little bit more um, by being able to control the clock and things like that. But the the larger point is like Fournette might be the second best player on their board with Garrett off the board uh, going to Cleveland. So at that point, do you say, well, we don't really believe in taking a running back this high? Or do you say, shoot, he's the best player on our board. We just stick to our board and we take him or you know, and and maybe that's the reason. Maybe he's he'll be Carolina's you know second or third best player on their board, and the fact that they're picking eighth, they would feel like they have to trade up to get him. Well, to me, it seems like Kyle Shanahan is such like a cerebral coach, and obviously he's he made his name through you know schemes and and his offensive game plans and stuff like that. So I think a lot of that, and uh, Lynch already said in his interview yesterday that the picks are going to come down to he and Kyle. So. At that point, if it got down to that point, I think Lynch would just say, hey, like, is, is this the guy you want? Is this the guy you see yourself having success with? And if he's high on their board and he says yes, then I think that's really all you need because obviously he's thought it through. But the way, the thing I keep coming back to, and this is, is still crazy, but if, if, you can, if you could take Leonard Fournette at, at two, why can't you take Christian McCaffrey at two? You know, and, it, and to me, I say that not necessarily saying that Christian McCaffrey is is as good at Leonard Fournette, but he seems like so much better suited for the stuff Kyle Shanahan likes to pull off. He can play everywhere. He can play, you know, as a normal running back in the backfield. He can play in the slot. He can play out wide. He can like it. Just seems like that would be that has Kyle Shanahan written all over it. But like you said, at two, I see him going to Carolina at eight all the time now. So, so it doesn't seem like it's, it's that dramatic of a reach, but to me, he seems like the the type of guy that Kyle Shanahan would just work wonders with. Hey, what if this draft just turns into with everybody trying to trade back? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like the Browns are there at one and then everyone else is trying to trade out of their spot. What if this is the year of the draft, just nobody trades anything. And it just goes straight through. <laughs> yeah, that could happen. I mean, th- I mean there's it, a very <laughs> reasonable chance it could happen. What, what I'm most interested to see is how these teams needing quarterbacks handle handle these top ten picks, right? Like, right. what Chicago does, uh, what the Jets do, what Jacksonville does, um, you know, maybe what the Chargers do if they want to find a, a long-term replacement for Phillip Rivers. Um, right. The Cardinals... I think they picked 12 or 13th. Like, 
the the quarterback situation is going to be really interesting because I think the consensus has been the whole time that quarterback these quarterbacks aren't really worth first round grades or or should be taken so highly. So and and all that's going to impact what happens with the 49ers at the 34th pick because in that that presumably would be a really good spot to find a quarterback if you don't have a first round grade on any of these guys. But the inherent value is going to push them to the top of the board. And maybe the 49ers are only looking at Deshaun Kaiser, who I'm not personally super high on. I know really? we disagree on that <laughs> one, Kyle. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like at the, the quarterbacks are, are ultimately going to shape the draft and how things go, particularly in the top. And if no one wants a quarterback, then I think the 49ers probably do pick it too. And one thing that Lynch said yesterday that I thought was super interesting was that they've narrowed their scope down to two or three players at that number two pick. Now, I don't, I'm, I don't know if I totally believe that, um, but you know, he might just be saying that, and they they might have one player that they have in mind at number two, and then a couple guys that they would be willing to trade back for. But with with, with that number two pick, which guys do you think? John Lynch is uh, the which which players are those two or three guys that, that John Lynch has honed in on? Do you think? Well, it's what's funny too about the the number two or three because if it's if it depends on if it's two or three because if it's two, you could probably go the safe route and say okay, one of them's Miles Garrett, so we're gonna go with that, and then you're they're looking at one other guy because one of the one of the first things I thought sure. when he said that is what well, is it two or three because you kind of have to pick in like two days so. Do you know who you're going to take or not? I don't know. I have no idea how 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 much that decision usually comes down to the wire, and I'm sure there's plenty of teams in the, where the clock is still ticking, and they still haven't decided who they're going to pick. So obviously that's not weird, but they've known they're going to have the number two pick, and they've known that Miles Garrett was like the 95% chance to go number one for a long time now. So, which players do you think there are though? There's been so many people talk about Leonard Fournette, and while I'm not that excited about it, I think he's got to be right there. And I think the one that I mean gets some love, but I think Jamal Adams is probably going to be way up there. Uh, I think he's going to be in the conversation because he it's, he's just such a good fit for what the team needs. You know, he's got the the skill set, the leadership role. He's the the clean prospect. He has no health issues. He's you know he's he's pretty much down to the T. Everything the team would, would be looking for. So I'd probably right up there with like a uh, Miles Garrett. I'd put Leonard Fournette and Jamal Adams really high up there. Are we assuming he's leaving out Miles Garrett? Yeah, just for the sake of argument. Maybe okay. more interesting. I think as much as as much as he may not fit the way people say he would fit, I think Solomon Thomas is probably a guy he was talking about. There's the Stanford tie. There's the fact that um, you know, Stanford is local. They're right here. Um so I think I think Solomon Thomas, and he just he feels like the kind of guy that that John Lynch would really be into, um, just in terms of his tape and things like that. So give me Solomon Thomas for one, and um, yeah, I think I think a guy like Jamal Adams, maybe Malik Hooker, just guys that really fit uh, what they what they want to do on defense. Yeah, I, I think I would, they have to go. I think they have to go defense. That's kind of sort of what I was trying to get at. And those are three yeah, of the best I think, defenders on the board. 
I think if they if they pick at second, they definitely have to go defense. If they move back a little bit, I could see some of the receivers jumping into the conversation or um, or offensive line, or maybe Christian McCaffrey. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if 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 I'm buying the idea of the 49ers taking Fournette or being super interested in him, um, given you know that it's going to be a long rebuild, right? They they sign six year contracts. They want to build a foundation for long-term success and no position has a shorter lifespan than running back. So unless you're like totally convinced that Fournette's going to come in and, and be your running back for the next eight to 10 years or whatever, like it's, it, it's not, it's almost like a luxury pick that they can't really afford to make because they have so many needs elsewhere on the roster, particularly on defense. Uh, the Solomon Thomas thing, like, man, I get people <laughs> like him. You, know, you could just the it's disappoint. Just the disappointment came on so quickly. Like you just got so sad so quickly. Yeah, and like I, I had talked to Matt Barrows at length about Solomon Thomas, and we actually rode together to to his pro day uh, at Stanford last month. And like I just there, so there's no precedent for drafting a undersized interior defensive lineman that high. Like the last interior defensive lineman to go number two was Ndamukong Sue. And Ndamukong Sue obviously was a super dominant college player. Um, not undersized not, in the slightest. Not undersized in the slightest. He's 300 pounds. My thing with Thomas is basically like, he's not an edge rusher. If, if he is, he hasn't proven he can do it yet. And when you're picking that early and you're picking a pass rusher or a guy you want to improve your pass rush, which everyone talks about Solomon Thomas's being that guy, that that picking number two is is way too high for somebody who doesn't do it along the edges. Like Von Miller was the second overall pick in his draft, right? Um, so if you think that Solomon Thomas is going to be a good interior pass rusher, then you need to ask, okay, if he's going to be a really good interior pass rusher on passing downs what does he do on base downs if he's not really an edge setter if he's more of a guy who you know lines up on the inside on the inside shoulder of opposing tackles and, and attacks that gap um and and not necessarily the nine technique playing out wide so you know if like if Solomon Thomas comes in and and he's the 49ers pick next year he's probably going to play behind Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Quentin Dial initially um, and when he's in the game, I would imagine teams are going to run right at him because he's only 273 pounds. And looking at him up close, I don't think he's the kind of dude that's going to put on like a bunch more weight without it impacting him negatively. Um, I think he's pretty maxed out right now in terms of like bulk and muscle and, and all of those things. And so like what when you project him to, to the next level, is he a guy that is going to be a three-down player uh, in that scheme. I think ultimately he's he's a three or five tech, um, and they have two of those guys that they that they drafted in the last two drafts. And look, I get I get all the intangible stuff. Like he's he's the type of guy personally, like and emotionally and mentally and all those things that you want to build your team around. Like he has leadership qualities. He has a high motor. He plays hard. All those things are true. I just don't see the fit for the 49ers and, and where they're at, where the roster's at. And I know I just mentioned that 
Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have six-year contracts, and they should just, you know, they'll be thinking about drafting the best player regardless of, of position because they have so long to turn this thing around. And ultimately, you know, Eric Armstead could be gone in, in two years anyway. So, I mean, I get it from that standpoint, but I just don't, I just don't think he's going to end up being the second best player in this draft. And I actually think Hassan Reddick, even though Reddick's going to go, you know, 10 picks later or whatever, he's going to, he's going to go after Thomas regardless. Like I think Reddick's going to have a better NFL career. And so more versatile for sure. He's more versatile, but then, you know, if you think that, do you, is, is it reasonable to say, well, why not just take Reddick at two if you think he's going to be better? And all of a sudden Reddick seems like a reach you know, it's it's just the 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 draft process is weird. The way we talk about guys, it's it's strange. Like it's it's splitting hairs. It's it's trying to find like the tiniest little things that are wrong. And ultimately, they're going to be third round picks that end up having much much better careers than first round picks. And all that stuff is basically impossible to project because it's all about the scenario and the the situation and the circumstances and and all these things that these players get drafted into with these teams. And so for me, like looking at it, one of the reasons why I've been so high on Malik Cooker this whole time is because he would come in and fill an immediate need and be a guy that gets all the practice reps, that gets all the game action and learns trial by fire rather than someone who's going to join the team having to compete for reps. Maybe he doesn't get as many. Um, maybe he's not as polished after his rookie season because his playing time is, is scant behind Armstead and Buckner like so I think these are all the things you, you kind of have to take into account when you're when you're talking about some of these guys projected to go early. Well, I think it's all, especially for the 49ers right now, it's it's not necessarily about, I mean, you can't really say this and make sense, but it's it's not necessarily about taking the best player. It's about getting the highest return on your investment. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because obviously you want the best player, but with the roster. No, it does. In, I, I wrote that. I wrote that this week. It's it's with the roster and the shape it's in. You want every one of your picks to produce as much as they possibly can, and that doesn't always mean they're the best player. It means they have the highest opportunity to come in and have an impact right away and fill a, fill a pressing need. But you know, you also want it to to match up with value, and that's why I've always been, I guess, you could say we've always been so much more sold on a guy like Malik Cooker. Like his value is there, and you already know that the defense you're moving to absolutely needs his talents. That's it. Like. There's no question about it. So rather than taking a guy like Solomon Thomas, who, to me, at the number two pick, too, you're doing way too much projecting with Solomon Thomas. Well, I think he can develop into a good edge rusher. That, the Ringer article that came out the other day where the coach who was working with him literally called the guy and his coach and said, hey, I can't get this guy to, to rush the passer around the edge. And he's like, well, he's never done that. People are talking about him as the number two pick in the Leo position that's built to rush the passer, and that's not what he does. And it's too much projecting at number two, so you're either your only other option is to force him into the interior of the, the defensive line with Buckner and Armstead, and they're all going to compete for playing time. I think Buckner's going to get his playing time no matter what because he's that good. But force him in there, and like you said, if, if I was an offensive coordinator and that guy was sitting there at the three-tech, I'd be like, okay, we're running right at the the eight, the gay gap. We'll see if he can hold up. It's just, to me, it's at this point, it's, it's all about the team finding the biggest return on an investment, and that's quite a few guys. That's, you know, Jamal Adams, Malik Cooker, uh, you know, any of those guys. It just seems like Solomon Thomas presents too many square peg and a round hole type situations, and it, it's just not... It's not that it's not sexy because D linemen, 
really impactful D linemen are meant to go that high. But it just seems like there's too many question marks that come with them to make sense. Yeah, and I think the the thing that I wrote this week was, you know, talking about finding the best player available versus finding the guy that fits your scheme. You fo- like the focus for these NFL teams should be on on the end result and not the starting point, right? Like you, yes. you're drafting you're drafting to win Super Bowls. You're not drafting to find the best player in it at, at that particular spot necessarily, or at least you shouldn't be, right? Like if Solomon Thomas is is a better prospect than Malik Hooker because Thomas has been testing off the charts and he's been impressive with teams and interviews and all that, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the better fit for your team in the long run if Hooker turns into a player that gives you more value as an every-down guy at the back end of that defense, which is basically like the quarterback of the secondary, which makes it arguably the most important position on that side of the ball. And, and I've thought for a while that Earl Thomas is the most important player for the Seahawks, and if the 49ers are going to play that scheme, they need, they need a a safety that can do that. So um, I guess we, we should wrap that up. I think, uh, you know, th- this draft is going to be really interesting because like we said, the 49ers have 10 picks. They have the second pick in every round, but the sixth, I believe, I think they did a six round pick swap in the Jeremy Zuta trade. Yep. Um, so yeah, they'll pick early in each round, which essentially, which should be, give them a ton of value in each spot. So, you know, I, I think I, I just wrote kind of a checklist piece um, on NinersWire.com that you guys should check out. Just kind of outlining every everything the 49ers should do in this draft to, to you know, really get like an A-plus haul. Um, and, you know, obviously they need, to, they need to address a quarterback. I don't think it necessarily needs to come early. They need to, to remake their secondary for the defense. Um, they need to find pass rushers and linebackers. So all those things you can go, uh, you can go read at NinersWire.com right now. Um, yeah, draft starts Thursday night. So with that, in closing, what? Uh, get, why don't you guys give me your predictions on what's going to happen with the 49ers, whether they pick two or if they trade back? What, what do you think is going to happen? Oh man, Kyle, are you ready for this answer? No, because, dude. I'm not <laughs> ready for this answer. Been, how long, this is this is a daily, day long conversation in Slack every day since <laughs> the season ended, and I don't think we've landed anywhere on it yet. Uh, no, it's crazy. I don't even know what to I, say. Like, I, I don't let's, know, man. That's rough. Let's let's just for hypothetically say, um. The Browns forego all their analytics and such and trade up from 12 to number two to take Mitchell Trubisky after drafting uh, Miles Garrett. And the 49ers pick 12th and they take Derek Barnett and call it good. I like that. Okay. That's pretty solid. Bang. I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that. Um, I'm going to say that's, – that's what I want to say. I'm going to say the team, the team takes Jamal Adams at two – or they do the trade back to uh, with with uh, Cleveland because the biggest thing I'd be if, if I were John Lynch talking to Cleveland I'd be like hey you trade with us I'll give you a good deal and you have guarantees there's nobody gonna gonna be in the way of your pick you know it's gonna be you twice and at twelve I would probably go with I really have no idea if Christian McCaffrey's there I say they take him if not Mike Williams interesting nice. okay so I'm gonna say 
I'm going to stick to Malik Hooker too, um, even though he's he's coming off the surgeries and has health questions. No, you, I think you, it's interesting. You don't got to sell me, man. You don't you don't have to you don't have to sell the us. on the airwaves, nice dude. Well, I think it's interesting the fact that the 49ers have had no meetings with Malik Hooker. Like they they didn't bring him in for a pre-draft visit. Uh, I'm sure they met with him at the combine, but you know I, I sort of think that. John Lynch might be doing the thing where they all the all the guys they draft are dudes they haven't met with or they didn't bring to the facility. So like I don't think they brought Nathan Peterman, the quarterback from Pittsburgh, to the facility. And I think if he's there in round three, I think they snatch him up. Um, but with the with the second pick, I think if if they go if they pick it two, I think it'll be they'll either end up with Miles Garrett because Cleveland will pass on him or Malik Hooker. Um, I think if they trade back, whether it be eight with Carolina or to 12 with Cleveland, I, I'm going to go with Hassan Reddick. And, um, I mean, I, you look at the value he could bring to the defense at, but he could potentially play at all three of the linebacker spots with a little bit of development. He could be an edge rusher from day one, um, and a strong side Sam linebacker in base situations from day one. So, uh, in terms of like foundational pieces, which John Lynch mentioned he wanted, I think Reddick would could potentially be that guy. If you know he could be a, a double digit sack guy who could also play. You know, if Navarro Bowman had to w- was injured, um, you know, maybe you slide Malcolm Smith to Mike and and Hassan Reddick can play. Will um, I mean he's that athletic? So. That that's where I'm going. If they trade back, I think it's going to be Hassan Reddick. If they stay put, I'm going to say Miles Garrett. If the Browns pass, if not, uh, I'm going to stick with Malik Cooker. So we 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 did a good job. We mixed it up. We didn't really uh, we didn't agree. <laughs> we weren't we weren't that super boring group that all the worst the same podcast thing. ever. Who do you guys think, Malik Hooker? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good job, guys. I'll see ya. <laughs> the other thing I think too, if they trade back, that, that we haven't really mentioned is, yeah, he's got a bad name right now, but they could be trading back to go Reuben Foster, who they wanted it to to begin with. Yeah. Well, there's uh, yeah, and and some people and he think can. he might he might be available at 34, which would be crazy. That'd be. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't That'd happen. Be nuts. That would be. I feel bad for the guy at that point, but you know, it's it is what it is. You make your decisions. I think. I think. If sticking with Ruben Foster, I think if we get to if we get to the point of the draft where it's you know 23, 24, and he's still on the board, I think we might see the Niners try and do what they did with Joshua Garnett and trade up. But I I, I very seriously doubt he makes it out of the top fifteen. We'll see. I mean, remember Randy Gregory when he was you know one of the best um, best pass rushers in his draft two years ago and then he ended up going i think it was 60th to dallas yeah but i I feel like that was i feel like that was a lot heavier stuff than what we're seeing with foster uh well i guess i guess yeah potentially potentially i I don't know what these samples have have really indicated right and to me what happened that's obviously right i mean there was a video of that on draft day and he fell what like four or five spots Right, so yeah. I I don't see I don't see Foster falling that far personally. All right, with that I think we'll wrap this up our pre-draft uh, Niners Wire podcast. 
for Kyle Madsen, now the editor-in-chief of Titans Wire. Make sure you check out Titans Wire for all your Titans-related <laughs> news. They're going to be good this year, guys. They're no. going to be really good. No, I think they are going to be good. I actually, here's a hot take. I actually think the AFC South is going to be one of the better divisions uh, in football this year. If the Texans figure out their quarterback situation, it definitely could be. The Colts are on the rebound. The Titans are going to be good. Um, I don't think the Jaguars are going to be very good, but they have they have a lot of promising defenders. Anyway, this is not an AFC South podcast. <laughs> uh, the AFC South, get dialed in. <laughs> so I think uh, what are we gonna are we gonna do a, a late night pod after uh, after the 49ers make their first pick? Should we should we do that? Can we do that? Are you guys available? If it's if they pick Solomon Thomas, we're not doing one. <laughs> okay uh, well, well we'll play that by ear but uh look for look for the next edition of the pod to come out thursday night after the 49ers make their pick or trade down um it'll be interesting to see regardless of uh, of how it goes so we will talk to you guys then yeah.